If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of the Mind Pump, uh, for the first 38 minutes, uh, we sit here and have fun. We have some fun conversation. It's the introductory part of this episode. We always have fun, Sal. Before we get into the fitness stuff, here's what we talked about. We brought up some 80s movies, some of our favorites, and how some of them were awesome back then, and then we watch them now and they suck. Uh, Yikes. We talked about my gun shooting lessons last night. Uh, that was my second class, um, trying to be safe, um, and my high-intensity interval training workout. I actually followed one of the MAPS HIT workout barbell complexes in my garage. Uh, it was 20 minutes of pure calorie-burning It's hell. an ass kicker. I got to get in shape for that. Um, I had trouble sleeping, and then I used Brain.fm. Brain.fm plays sounds that will help you sleep, focus, or relax. I'm not joking. It's creepy how effective... Uh, the technology is. Anyway, if you go to brain.fm forward slash mind pump, you'll get a fat 20% off. Then Adam talked about his new Traeger grill and the ultimate barbecue bundle from Butcher Box, which includes two pounds of ground beef, baby back ribs, and two New York strip steaks. Uh, you better save some for Justin and I'm I. I'm expecting some, pal. That is only available for two weeks. It is. Okay, so it's over in two weeks. So this will be done from this is from May 15th to June 1st. You got to go to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump. Then we talked about the rise of sober bars. What the hell? I guess these are bars where people don't drink alcohol. Exciting. That's boring. Uh, then we talked about our event in Manhattan Beach. It's coming up. And this one's a little different with this event. Before we start the live Q&A, we're going to hang out with you guys, drink some beers, shoot the shit, and have a great time. Hey, so let's loosen up a little bit. Much more of a hangout than the other ones before. This one's a special one. I think we have some tickets still available, hopefully by the time this airs. Go to mindpumplive.com to sign up. It's on June 6th in Manhattan Beach, and this is in L.A. Then we talked about the uh, train the behavior, not the information. This is what trainers, good trainers do. Good trainers Focus on behaviors and not so much about teaching people tons and tons of information and science. Uh, then we brought up an article about Burger King. They came up with a brilliant way to deliver their burgers to you when you're stuck in traffic. Yeah. Holy cow. And then Justin talked about Amazing. a new wireless radiation blocking beanie. Then we get into the fitness part of this episode. The first question, what are the differences between a traditional straight bar deadlift and a trap bar deadlift? little bit of a, uh, a controversy in that part of this episode. We had a little bit of a debate. You'll love it. Mm. Next question. Uh, for people who get a lot of activity at work, like construction, what effect does that have on maintaining an anabolic state? In other words, how that will that affect my muscle building process? And the next question, do pre-workout supplements affect the fat burning process if it gives you energy, does that mean the body doesn't need to burn as much body fat? Do they benefit the muscle building process? Or is it just fun times with supplements right before yeah. you work out? Uh, we're, you know, pre-workouts, splitting hairs probably doesn't make a big difference, but a lot of you love them. We do have a hookup at legionathletics.com. Just use the code MINDPUMP. Uh, and the last question, this person wants to hear all about Doug's story. So Doug goes into his uh, whole story in regards to fitness and wellness. So hear why Doug, at his age, looks younger 
than we do. You've been asking for it. Either he's a vampire or you're going to learn some awesome knowledge in that part of this episode. He has some hidden elixir. Also, Maps Hit. That is our most effective fat-burning program in the short term. Is 50% off. HIT stands for High Intensity Interval Training. We teach you how to do it with barbells, dumbbells, and there's three different levels in the program for different fitness levels. That extremely popular program is half off. All you got to do is go to MAPS, HIT, that's M-A-P-S-H-I-I-T dot com, and use the code HIT50, H-I-I-T, 5-0 for the discount. Hit them with your best shot. Do it now. Everybody, everybody <laughs> wants to he, rule the world. Never fucking lets anybody else sing. Al. Wow! Every time you start the song off, he's got to finish it. Stingy. Hey man, like that's that's my jam. Right hey, there. wasn't that the end? The song at the end of a very iconic '80s movie. Which one? Oh, Sixteen Candles. <laughs> nope. Nah, one of those like I that though, right? Yeah. Nope. It's yeah. not. Oh, it's not like that. You stumped me. You don't know? I don't. Breakfast Club. Was it Breakfast Club? Is oh, just, I just asked you that. No, man. Breakfast Club. I know, I but is, is it a movie that. like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. like that crew, but, right? But Isn't that the, part of the... Uh, the? Oh, yeah. They what are they a, called? They're called the... Uh, Molly Ringwald. Yeah, yeah. They're called the... Uh, Judd something. The... Judd Apatow? No. no. I'm just kidding. Brad Pack. Yes, came later. thank you, Doug. Thank you. Doug. That's so back I, when Doug was, he, that's when he was making the rounds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. in my prime for sure. That, he was on a, the prowl. That's when he was in the, you're still in your prime. Doug, it, it, when you think of like epic movies of your time as a kid growing up, does that fall in that category? You know, I never got into those movies at all. Oh, really? That's before they had sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first real movie I, I really got into was Back to the Future. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Great Scott! That's a that's the, that's a classic. That's dude, I love that they, movie. Huey, Huey Lewis in the news intro. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 great music in that one. I dude. loved it. I loved uh, the Goonies is still one of my favorites of all time though. Goonies, still, yeah, just yeah. such a great movie. Yeah. So good. It, but you know when you get, when you get old, like truffle shuffle. What was it about eighties movies though? And um, what are the, what do you call those machines that you make that are? I said it once. Time machine? No, machines <laughs> that you make that are just for no reason. They're elaborate to do one. Oh yeah, thing. no, I brought that up. It was a uh, Rube, uh, Rube Goldberg. Goldberg. And uh, '80s movies had a thing with that, dude. They thought, see if, and here was something I was thinking about a long time ago. Like, what if that was the answer to inventing things? Like, yeah. if you had to have this sequence all lined up for something to happen. Yeah. You know, like they would have, you know, some explain mouse. What you, explain what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so, so oh, the remember, mouse trap. Well, well, yeah, you get like a mouse trap. You get like some pendulum where it swings and, and then it hits a bowling ball and it rolls down. No, the game mouse trap. That's a good example. Oh of, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mouse right? trap. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the game mouse trap was based off of the Rube Goldberg. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. You so, did bring that up, Justin, a long yeah, time ago. Yeah. But but remember in, in Goonies, the way that they ring the doorbell, he yeah. like pulls a thing and it does this whole elaborate thing to open the gate or whatever. Yeah, you saw that in so many of those movies where they're like, you know, oh, I'm I'm this crazy scientist that came up with like inventions, and yes. it's always that shitty invention. Where like it, it gets the toast to like you know come out. Have you guys watched any? I guess you're right. I didn't even think about that yeah. with all those movies. Oh, it was like a thing for a second. Yeah, it, that's why that mousetrap came out. Mousetrap the game came out in the '80s because I think because it was a thing for a second. Yeah, that was oh. one of my favorite games by the way. As a Raw, kid. Random dude. fun it was, fact. It was awesome. Yeah. Or is that a fact? Uh, uh fact. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, it's. A we're fact. gonna go with fact. Wait, did I say it? Yeah, it's oh, you said. Okay. Did you? Did you guys? Uh, are there any movies you watched in the '80s as a kid, or maybe early '90s, 
that you watch later on and you're like, wow, this this sucks. I thought it was good when I was a kid, but oh, it's not yeah. good at all. Yeah. Yeah. What was the one? Uh, Cloak and Dagger. Is that mm. crap? Yeah, it's, it's not very good. But you liked it when oh, you were a kid? Oh, I loved it. I probably watched that that movie a, a bajillion times as a kid, man. That was a that was a favorite go-to. And then you watch it later on, and it's like, oh, this is really bad. Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. That's the one the kid gets the uh, the Atari game. And he's, oh. and he's, yeah, and he meets the, oh God, I don't even remember the character. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that. I watched it like, I don't know, 15, I tried to watch it, I should say, like 15 years ago to see like what Dude, it was. Dude, mine was Teen Wolf. I was like, yes, I was that's so recent. bummed out on that because like, I remember like it being awesome and hilarious and all this stuff and it was just so bad, dude. It was yeah, so cheesy. Yeah, I was watching it with my kids and things have changed quite a bit. First off, when you're watching it, um, it's a PG yeah. movie. Oh, there was gratuitous uh, titties. Yeah, it shouldn't be flying. It should there. it shouldn't be PG. <laughs> I mean, I, it's okay, but y- yeah, he goes in the when he goes in the closet with the girl and then she you know scratches up right. her shirt and. He's surfing on the top of a car. My kids are watching. It's like, that's dangerous. <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? So, I'm like, yeah. So frivolous. Teenagers used to do crazy shit. Yeah. You couldn't surf the top of a car. Some nowadays. of those movies are really good still. Like, I, I think Breakfast Club is- Breakfast ti- Club is, is timeless, oh, right? Yeah. You could watch that. Dude, Lost Boys for me. I, I always love that movie. Love Lost Boys. I, I, I told Jessica about it. I'm like, this is- Because she was talking about how great Twilight is. I'm like, listen- <laughs> I'm like, listen. Glitter vampires? Yeah. Fuck you. I'm like, it's a, it, Twilight. Sorry, like, not not you, Jessica. Twilight is a good, uh, uh, it's a good love story, I guess, but not a great vampire. Like, the yeah. Lost Boys, those were vampires. So I showed her, and she's like, this is dumb. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we're yeah. still together. Yeah, <laughs> we're still together. <laughs> we made it through that, yeah. that rough patch. Yeah. yeah. I remember, remember Flight of the Navigator? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the the eye, right? Yeah. And yeah. then the, the spaceship that's that right. changes the eye shape. comes down. He picks yeah. up all this plant life and different. That was another favorite planets. as a kid. Was that a terrible? Have you watched that one? It's not that good. Yeah. It's not that good as an adult. Not at all. Yeah. So standards have changed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Hey, I saw, you know, now uh, you're full on Magnum PI, and I see oh. you, you were at the, <laughs> the shooting range. Uh, yeah. So last night was the second day of uh, our handgun training course. And we got to fire. I fired guns before. Um, you so need a mustache, gonna, dude. Why? Uh, just I, I'm picturing this. Right oh, just now. with the mustache. Yeah, you know, just, terrible, bro. I've, I've, I would, I would look love with just to see a, you in just a mustache. Yeah, picture me with yeah. just a mustache shooting guns. Yeah, you, you wouldn't trust me for a second. Anyway, no. So we got to fire uh, guns and shoot at targets, and it was cool because there was a couple people in the class that had never, ever handled a gun before, and they were not. They were pretty frightened. Like yeah. they, they'd get the gun and you could tell they're like, oh, oh, the, the first time oh you do it God. is, I mean, I was a young kid the very first time, but I mean, the first time you do it, it's a very powerful tool that yeah. you're, you're wielding, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Kill something. With <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a lot of fun though. The, the main reason why we're doing it is because first off, we want to be safe because we're thinking about getting one, but what a great like activity to do with your partner. Yeah. Does you, Jessica really enjoy it or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, think how fun that will be with your with your significant other. Totally. Go to the range, shoot some targets. You know, go yeah. home. You guys need to go do the clay shooting over. Yeah. I've yeah. never done that, bro. And, and Katrina loved that. We've done, I've done that a couple times now. Um, I want us as a group to do it. We, I, I keep bringing it up to yeah. you guys. We need. It's not that hard to set it up for the day. It's and it'd be great to do it like on a weekday afternoon. We'd have the whole course to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And go do that. I think that'd be a blast. In inside the the classroom, there were quotes from uh, that support the Second Amendment. Obviously, they're a big Second Amendment place because they sell yeah they sell guns and stuff. 
There was one really good quote that I that I read. I'm gonna see if I can find it right now. I posted it in my story about uh, I think it was John. I think it was was it John Adams that said it? I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you guys. It was really good. And he said, "Oh, here it is. The Constitution preserves the advantage of being armed, which Americans possess over the people of almost every other nation, which is definitely more true today, where the governments are afraid to trust the people with arms." How cool yeah, is that? Yeah, that's awesome. Like, like he, that's literally what he said. This is, you know, you're talking about, this is these are one, of the, one of the founding fathers talked about how other governments are afraid to trust their own people mm-hmm. with guns. Mm. I thought that was a very interesting yeah, one. interesting. Isn't that is, it? That is cool. Isn't it cool? So, so we did that yesterday. Uh, before that, I did a short hit workout from our, our MAPS hit program, yeah. which I hadn't done in a long time. When's the last time you guys did... Like a, uh, I did like a barbell complex uh, like a month or two ago, and just to interrupt my normal routines, and it destroyed me. I was just gonna say, yeah. how did you feel? <laughs> like just totally cash, dude. I was embarrassed at my lack of stamina. <laughs> yeah, right. Like not good. Yeah. It was not good at all. I did it, and I did a grand total of twenty minutes max. Yeah. So I'm doing my 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 cycle, and I threw in some sled drives in there. And I had that old, like, it's a totally different feeling, right? It's like your lungs are, it's not like your muscles hurt. Yeah. It's like your lungs are dying. Yeah. yeah. You're not, you're not feeling very good. You're just on fire internally. Yeah. So we did, a, we did a few rounds from MAPS hit, one of the barbell complexes, which, uh, you know, Jessica was asking me all about the calorie burn and the fat burn. And I'm like, well, this is, it's the afterburn that you get from, from these type of programs. And, and it's, it's also has far less of a, muscle losing effect. In fact, you may actually build a little bit of muscle with this. So we're talking about it. Had that hard workout, did the gun range, got home, couldn't sleep. It was, I had, it was too worked up. Oh, adrenaline. Yeah. I was worked up from the workout. What time was it that you guys did that at? The, the gun course uh, was from six 30 and ended at nine, but it it was was up in Santa Clara. When was the hit workout? The hurt work, hit workout. I finished right before we left for the course. Oh, wow. So I went hit, uh, Ate some food real quick, drove over there, did the course. I'm hyped. You're in loud guns, light, you know, really, really bright lights, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no blue light blockers or anything like that. Get in the car. We're talking on the way home, excited. Get home, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, fuck, I, I need to wake up at the latest by 6.30. It's already 11 o'clock. I can't. I, could, I just can't sleep. My, I'm way too worked up. So uh, I haven't done this in a long time. Brain FM. Ah, put brain FM on. Brain FM on. Yeah. The, the only time I uh, use brain FM to sleep is on a plane. Mm-hmm. I use it every time I'm on a plane. I put it right on, and it works. But I haven't used it for like bedtime in a long time. Whoa, that shit's creepy. Did you, did it's you, creepy how effective it is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a go-to for me for that exact reason. Did you do you know like when you're gonna have a night like that just by the event? Like I know that a couple things. One. If I have a caffeinated drink beyond 4 p.m., mm. I'm I'm almost guaranteed I'm going to have a night like that. If I work out beyond 4 or 5 o'clock, I'm almost guaranteed I'm going to have that. If I do something like that, you know, that's shooting guns, something that gets my adrenaline, my blood pumping, uh, you know, beyond 6, 7 o'clock at night, I'm almost – do you know that, like, as you're going through it? Or is it, like, set in afterwards, like, ah, fuck. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm usually pretty good. I don't typically have issues – many issues falling asleep but i do i do prioritize sleep because i notice the quality is better but falling asleep has never really been too much of an issue but i could tell because normally i lay down and within you know 10 minutes i i, I can feel like oh, I'm, I'm falling asleep i'm gonna fall asleep 
I was laying there for 45 minutes with my eyes closed and just, you know, like, yeah. and, and wanting to move every five. You ever do that? You just uh, want to keep shifting? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not going to move. I'm just going to stay in one position. And yeah. I'm trying to think of certain things to get myself relaxed. Just can't get that comfortable spot. Yeah, I start doing the whole thing where I'm staring at the inside of my eyelids to try and distract <sighs> myself so I could not work and not working, put brain FM on. For five minutes, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, this is not working. Next thing I know, I wake up because it, you know, it, it, I had put the short nap uh, version on, which was only like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I woke up because it turned off and I was like, oh shit. So I like gently took off my headphones and so you put fell your, back asleep. You, you'll do it with your I'll actually, because Katrina loves it too. We'll play it in our, on our bows. That's the, what you say. Yeah, yeah. And it works just as good. I shouldn't say it works just as good. With my head, when it's in my noise canceling headphones, I definitely. Uh, I think it works faster for me, uh, but it works just as damn near as good for us. I, we actually think that it makes the dog sleep better too. You're kidding? Yeah, this is to- totally anecdotal. I don't know for sure if it does or not. But what if it has and, the opposite effect? Like it tells the dogs to get crazy? No, it definitely doesn't do that. But <laughs> yeah. Katrina and I always talk about them being, you know, not being restless through the night when we play it in there for us too. So there was a kick there where we were doing it like every night because yeah. it was so amazing. But now I try and use it like how you're saying where. When I think I need it, I'm going to use it, and I try and pull. But just- it's interesting to think about, though, because uh, I was, I, you know, I, I told you guys I play guitar and stuff. Like when I get home and I kind of do my thing, and every time I do that, my dog comes in and then lays on the ground right in front of me, and he, it's like he loves just sitting there listening to me. No way. Yeah, it's a trip. It's like he's totally into it, and then he he gets relaxed, and then he falls asleep, then he and then when I you. stop, yeah, <laughs> and then he shits on me and and bites me. Yeah, and it's awkward. <laughs> He's like, that sucks. I have to punish him. My master sucks. (laughs) Are you guys terrible song? Are you guys going to make it over uh, to my place after the Mark Manson interview this weekend? Oh, I have my my son has his eighth grade uh, dinner, like graduation dinner for the parents. But uh, I was going to say this. This is kind of weird. I got playoffs, bro. Yeah, this is playoffs. Fuck you guys. Me me and Doug will get it down. Well, I was just going to say this is kind of weird because I know that Butcher Box said that they sent us a barbecue bundle yeah which is uh what's in a barbecue bundle uh doug isn't it like ribs and ground beef yeah two pounds of ground beef baby back ribs two new york strip steaks that's like a oh lot of meat yeah that they sent us a while ago but justin have you seen it no i have not yeah i haven't seen you it either. Else, i haven't seen a grill that, yeah and that the grill. Over adam do you have any idea where any of this could be <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i saw some on your insta story where i was uh hey so, buddy so this is how this is how taylor and rachel were instructed as i said listen i said uh in the order of who deserves uh, the barbecue Traeger grill the most? <laughs> I said, Doug is probably first, uh, but he actually owns one. Oh, he already. already owns one. Yeah, he owns one already. Um, I'm second, Justin's third, Sal's fourth. Okay. Yeah. Who's well, most, and this is in the order of who's most likely going to use it the most. Yeah. So that's I would, accurate. I would use it. Right, I feel, like that, I feel like that was accurate, yeah, right? I feel accurate. like I, I, I grill a lot. We grill every week. At, um, in the summertime, we grill multiple times a week. Uh, and I'm sure Justin does too, but all Justin's the all the way out in Santa Cruz, so you yeah. just, you automatically get vetoed because I of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the trip is yeah, so long. Because no yeah. one's going to go. Where my place is right around the corner. So you're going to make all that meat Saturday? Yeah. So the the, the goal is uh, Doug and I. Doug's in, we're going to Doug and I are going to meet up before uh, Mark Manson comes for the interview. Get the smoker going on the Traeger, right, and get uh, the ribs ready. And so, oh, uh, him and I save some for us. Yeah, you can, actually, yeah you, can, you can always like you know yeah, aside, you know, a little we'll little see, cut. we'll see. 
All right. We'll see. That's a lot of meat, you fat ass. <laughs> well, I don't know if we're gonna do. I, I mean, we got the 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 box. That's their that's their deal thing that's going on right now. So they sent that over to us. I don't know if we're gonna cook all that right now. For sure, we're gonna do the ribs. I've been telling Doug that I I, I want his help. This is my first experience with a, a pellet grill. So so yeah, explain the pellet. I've never used one. Yeah. So like he well shit. Doug probably should probably explain it better than I do because it's it's my first time. How does it work? What is it? Yeah, so the pellet grill has a bin where you put these wood pellets in. So what the wood pellets are highly compressed wood. There's no fillers, no adhesives or anything like that. What they do is they take basically sawdust and they push it down with a lot of pressure and make these little pellets. And it goes into a bin and there's what's called an auger that is like a big screw that twists. And as it twists, it's feeding pellets into the ignition box. And there is a hot element in there that ignites the pellets, and then it starts to smoke uh, initially, and then it will ignite the the, the pellets and heat the uh, heat the grill. So it's pretty cool because mm. as you grill, say you want to keep your temperature at three hundred de- degrees Fahrenheit, it will adjust the rate at which the pellets are put through the auger oh, in order to control that temperature. So it's always keeping it right in that range. And so you get that, that smoky flavor at the same time. Huh? Yes. And then another thing is is there are no flare-ups because it's indirect heat. So you don't have a big flame down there. So when the fat drops down, you get a, a big flare-up. I mean, some people mm-hmm. like that, but yeah. it also can burn your meat. Um, so it, it doesn't do that as indirect, but the super cool thing about it, say, for example, you have a whole chicken that you want to cook. You can put a whole chicken in. I think it's for about an hour and 15 minutes. Just turn it on, close the lid. Don't open it for the entire time. Open it up and you have a perfectly cooked, juicy chicken with very crispy skin on oh, it. Oh, wow. So it's amazing. Now, so, and going, you don't even have to turn it or anything? So my, yeah, my buddies, no. my buddies have it and they, they're like... It's it will make the most perfect meat you've ever had, it's, wow, and because it's exciting. all digital too, so it's all Wi-Fi. So I it's connected through my phone, mm. so you can program it all. You can call your meat. Yeah, are yeah. you ready yet? <laughs> set it set it all up. And Doug was trying to school me yeah. on how to combine it with my sous vide. Right? You said that you use. Uh, yeah, so I was experimenting one day. I thought, you know, I want to have a kind of a smoky flavor, but I want to use the sous vide uh, as well. So what I did is I put it out in the Traeger for like fifteen minutes on smoke mode. And then I put it in the sous vide for a couple hours. It got it up to my uh, temperature, I think 135 for medium rare. And then I sear it on both sides and eat it. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So I'm is it hungry? It, it, when you're doing it, when you're cooking the ribs in this thing, are you trying to cook it for a long period of time? Yeah, you need to cook ribs for quite a long time because there's a lot of like sinew and, you know, uh, connective tissue in mm. ribs and it needs to break down over time. Uh, I think this Saturday they're really going to, you know, experiment with that and see what we can do to make them super tender oh, and juicy. Yeah. Guys, man. Yeah, I, I want bones. some of them ribs, bro. Right. Yeah, Traeger meets Butcher Box. Yeah. I'm super pumped. Dude. Bring me some. Well, uh, if there's any I'll left. bring the alcohol, but uh, I've been actually trying to lower that uh, down a, a little bit. Oh, are you? Yeah, just a little bit. What's uh, this all about? Yeah, what's going on? Uh, it's something like uh, so. With uh, Courtney and I both, uh, it, it's been nice every now and then, you know, to to kind of uh, you know relax as a as we're both kind of high strung and, and I'm and I'm kind of decompressing from my day or whatnot. But uh, we found that um, it, you know with anxiety and all these other things that we're trying to combat, like it's not really aiding in in the sleep. And so if we get back uh, to uh, you know like less 
frequent, you know, uh, drinking schedule, if you will. And so this is something <laughs> I'm trying to look at other options uh, where if we go out, you know, we're not we're not like grabbing beverages as we go out and hang what, out. Is that your guys' preferred way of just like the kids go to bed? And just yeah. Like, hey, you want a drink? Okay. Yeah, it's not them. necessarily cannabis, and and that's the thing is like I, I I've actually kind of moved in that direction, like uh, with the five milligrams, but like, yeah, I haven't really been able to to convince her uh, to to give that. It doesn't have the same effect as her as much. So mm-hmm. like, you know, just an uh, an alcoholic beverage every now and then has been good for that, not in excess or anything, but it just adds up after a while. So anyway, I was looking and Jackie actually posted this uh, this this new like resurgence or not resurgence, but this new sort of a trend that's happening with bars where it's all these sober bars where they have like non-alcoholic beverages, cocktails that are like super high priced. And it has the whole vibe of like going to a bar and a pub sober but, bars, but they, but they hang out and it's like it's always drinking. It is an oxymoron. Like I, <laughs> I'm like, this is a thing. And it's like really popular. There's they're popping up all over the place. And I just thought that was really interesting. I don't know if this is like, uh, where this like phenomenon kind of came from? Because like for me that sounds lame. <laughs> well, main, one of the main reasons why you're like I'm drinking for the the f- <laughs> effects of alcohol. That's why. Yeah, I yeah. That. Well, I mean, think about it. Like you you go to a busy bar. It's it's almost not tolerable unless you're slightly buzzed. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many people you don't know anybody. Let's say you're single. You want to meet someone. It's way more difficult when everybody's completely sober. Well, there's there's there's, there's millions of people that drink decaf coffee. I still can't figure that one out either. That there's makes, that too, right? Doug <laughs> yeah, raises his hands. I yeah, I mean it's the it's, flavor. It's like I can that. Kind of get it. It's from like that, that right? Because I think there's a good portion of people that drink coffee mainly for the effects of it. Now, I like the taste of coffee. I'm a coffee ice cream guy. I like yeah. coffee. The flavor of coffee. I've, it's a, definitely been something that. Do you like the taste of black coffee? Uh, not as much. Yeah, I like I like some sort of uh, some sort of flavoring or cream or something mm-hmm. with it to really to really really enjoy it. But uh, all in all, though, I like the the taste of coffee. But more than I like the taste, I like the effect of it. I mean, yeah. that's what makes me pour a cup of coffee every single morning. It's not when I get up, I'm like, oh, I wanted this coffee taste in my mouth. It's like I want to wake up. You well, know, the funny part is though, like these bars, they actually these drinks cost the bar owner more money than like the alcoholic beverages that they're producing because. The, they sell it based off of like the ingredients. So like they're getting like this specialized honey from a certain part of the world. Oh. And you know what I'm saying? They're really trying to like sell these cocktails as like, like exclusive and like it's this atmosphere. But I just wonder what that atmosphere feels like when you're in there. Cause it's like social, but, but everybody's sort of not enhanced. Yeah. Yeah. Like I is said, there a lot of these or yeah, there is. Yeah. Where, is there like areas some that are more have, popular? Yeah, I think East Coast, uh, they, they highlighted quite a few of them uh, that were kind of popping up around. And they're really like next door to like a nightclub. So it's like it's they're trying to like, you know, get immersed within that same, uh, you know, you know, the proximity of all these other. Now, bars. that's now that's kind of a smart strategy, right? Because I could see there's always somebody in a nightclub that's there for the. Uh, meeting people and the environment mm-hmm. and dancing or whatever they make the case maybe the social aspect of going to the bar mm-hmm. that may not drink or want to drink and if they knew that oh right next door you meet because I could just see that meeting somebody talking to them and you're not a drinker and you're like hey 
Let's go next door where they serve. Let's go next door where the boring right. people are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'll grab my liquid death and look cool for a second. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's about it. That's but, true. Yeah. But, but think about it. Like uh, nightclubs and bars, just think of that environment. How intolerable would it be completely sober for, for a lot of people? Think about oh, yeah. that. Like go to a nightclub, like like that environment sucks unless you're yeah maybe you're, you're, you're not well maybe one of the things I didn't like about our our Viore event was that was it was so obnoxiously loud too loud oh, yeah. that I was trying to talk to all these people I lost you my you mean voice. afterwards at the bar yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm saying like so I well I, that's so the next one we're that's doing true. the next one I, I the format's different which I think is going to be interesting where the format for the Manhattan Beach event we're going to hang around and have drinks before we do the live Q&A. Right. This time what they're doing, I think, is we're going to shop. It's like shopping and beers, right? I mean, we're going to be at the Viore shop. Meeting people, hanging out, right. drinking beers, do that for a little while, and then do our, Which our live Q&A. I'm, well, exci- I'm save up for that then. I'm excited for that because uh, just to be able to talk in there, it's just so much easier. You got, and, and a lot of these people are, I can tell, like sharing you know, really personal stuff, and I want to be able to hear it in an engaging conversation. Where some of the times at the last event, it was so loud that I felt myself kind of like nodding my head, but going, trying to figure out what did they just say. Yeah, like it's just just too loud. I think so. This will be interesting to see how this goes. Yeah, we also just getting older. I think. <laughs> yeah, it could be. The, <laughs> you know, it, it, it I'm excited that right. it might be like not as late at night, Sally, bro. Sally. We were up to like three thirty. Just oh my god, it ruined me. Oh yeah, I <laughs> can't so, do that, dude. Oh, I can't do that. I can't. Well, it kept me energized. Oh God, it was fun, old, dude. Old it was so fun, but it was like, oh, like getting back to reality the next week. I is... feel like I just got back to normal. You know yeah. who's always up and going still? Doug. Doug. <laughs> He's the, he is the night hawk. He's the ever living. Yeah. That's is. what I call him. He's like- He's uh, the ever living. He is a vampire. Something, dude. Yeah. I wouldn't He's be like surprised. A, like a gargoyle, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like he just like lives at night and watches <laughs> everybody. Just, yeah. Like if one day like Doug was here alone and like you opened the door and he didn't know you were here and he's like- he had vampire teeth, and he's like, and he runs away. <laughs> I I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be super shocked. Like yeah. for, I'd, at first, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" And they'd be like, yeah, "What was that?" And oh, I'd, be like, Doug. I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I kind of thought that's what was going on." Yeah, I won't tell anybody, Doug. Don't worry. Yeah, it's all right. He's always like just that. Don't don't sleep, bite, just don't up. bite me, dude. He's yeah. always like that. When when back when we first created uh, Maps Anabolic before Mind Pump, even Doug and I went down to San Diego for these internet marketing uh, like conventions or whatever where they're presenting different strategies and you're learning different things. And at night, we would get invited to hang out with people who were there. And it was always me. I was always the one that was like, hey, Doug, you think we should, I think we should leave. Let's, yeah. let's go. And Doug would be like, you sure? You sure you don't want to? It's wanna? just getting interesting. Looking all bright-eyed and like, yeah, let's hang out. You sure? I'm like, ah, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, Doug. I don't know. Maybe we should go back. <laughs> just, just tons of energy. We can't keep up with Doug. Yeah. Anyway, so... Last night, because before I put the Brain FM on, I was sitting there in bed, not able to sleep. And one thing that I value about that, I will say this, and Adam, maybe this happens to you more often because you tend to have more issues of sleep, is sometimes I come up with great ideas or great ways of communicating uh, certain ideas. And I was thinking, and I was up and laying in bed, and I was thinking, you know, the big mistake I think a lot of people make in uh, the fitness space is that they push and train and teach information. That's what they focus on. Information, information, information. This is what's better. This is what's not good. Here's what a macro is. Here's what different proteins do. And I get that. That's all very important. 
but where I think that they they miss the mark is they don't they don't focus on training and pushing the behavior. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, and I learned that later on in my career where it wasn't about the information as much as, as it was about the behavior. I could teach a client all day long calories, macros, activity, best workout practices, you know, all that stuff. But if I didn't get them to adopt a behavior, it didn't even matter. And so later on, it was all about that. It was all about figuring out ways to get them to change their behaviors and in, 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 in understandings in, in ways that will then benefit them as a side effect with their fitness and health goals and all that stuff. No, I, I, hundred, yes. I 100% agree. I mean, that, it speaks to the, the part that I think that we talk about a lot, which is just the the psychological part of this whole game is so much greater than the science and getting back and forth and arguing over who's more right or what what new sciences came out to prove that this modality is better than that modality or this macro breakdown or ratio is better than this and it's like it's one of the most annoying parts I feel about our space is we tend to get into all these pissing contests with all of our peers on who knows more when it's like none of that matters if you can't get others to uh, apply it or right. mm-hmm. or change behavior around it and be consistent. So, I wish our value would would derive from that, right? Like like seeing uh, what you know what you have taught somebody and then you see them actually now applying it like all the time and then they're teaching it and it's like this this movement that happened because of just some seed that you're able to plant yeah. versus like I know this, and this is why I'm so right. Yeah, yeah. Now, this may be a bad uh, analogy. Um, it may not work, but what's coming to me is like, like martial arts, for example. You know, there's some martial arts that you can get a black belt, and you'll never have fought in anybody. You'll never have hit anybody or gotten hit. You'll only maybe done sparring, but you would have learned, you know, 50 different versions of punches and kicks and all these elaborate moves. And then you have somebody who's a boxer who boxes for two years and fights in the ring um, and spars with people, and that boxer knows four moves. He knows yeah. four punches, you know. Uh, and, and the boxer will, if you if you were to get into a confrontation where he had to defend himself, he or she would defend himself far better than the martial artist who's never applied anything and knows all these different all kinds of information. They don't have any practices. They don't have any behaviors that have changed. Whereas the boxer. They, they behave a particular way when they get hit because they've been hit so many times. Right. They know how to throw a punch to make it connect because it's they know so way to their subconscious. I yes. remember watching, I remember this as a kid in high school, watching this kid get his ass kicked. That was a black belt um, by another kid who uh, had no uh, discipline or, or degree of black belt or any sort of experience with that. But what he had was tons and tons of street fights. Mm-hmm. Kid was oh, yeah. always in street fights. And of course, when you get in that situation, like all all teaching and learning, all that stuff, like not that it uh, hurt that person, but how much more the person who was applying that in real life situations, right? How much that carried over to the success of the because fight. it's become that's become a part of their, for lack of a better term, behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is true for teaching people about fitness and health. You know, you, you, they, you could you could teach somebody could be extremely knowledgeable about all kinds of different aspects of fitness and health, but if it doesn't become a part of their behavior, if they don't change anything permanently, then what's the use? They have a lot of great information, and that's about it. Versus the person who maybe doesn't know the difference between branched chain amino acids, essential amino acids, and non-essential amino acids, who doesn't know the difference between different types of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, who doesn't know 
the difference between, you know, the perfect times to eat, you know, pre and post workout or whatever, but has these behaviors where they take care of themselves. They're consistent with certain types of working out. They're they're good about eating a particular, you know, way. That person's gonna have far more success forever than the person who's got just shit tons of information. And so I think that's the big difference is it's about pushing the behavior. The information comes second. You know, that stuff doesn't matter as much as is are you applying it and is it something that you're applying all the time. Hey, speaking of food, did you guys see what Burger King is up to? Oh, the, the delivery and traffic. Oh, Bro. My brilliance. Brilliant. Oh, so smart. So brilliant. Yeah, they tested this in Mexico City. Yeah. Right? Isn't that what they did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm going to bring up the article because there was some cool stuff that I read on here. That's So, they, so it's an app that you have on your phone and the app connects to uh, their media. So real-time data detected their potential buyers in a traffic jam. Then the because they're detecting them in a traffic jam, they're able to promote their services in high congested areas or zones. So they can leverage traffic and drivers' real-time data and adjust their billboards location and content. The messages displayed information about the remaining time in traffic. Hey, it looks like you'll be in traffic for another 30 minutes or something like that. Here's an here's 15% off or a $2 off a Whopper <laughs> will bring it right to your car. So wow. bad. So crazy. How insane is that? So are they using, I mean, some kind of like a geotagger? Like, how does that work? They, they just find them on the phone, like some kind of like a yeah, so beacon? If you, yeah. So if you have the app, it's on. Yeah. And so then they can, they can see, oh, you know, Joe Smith or whatever, stuck in traffic. They're not moving. They could see what traffic looks like. Yeah. He's going to be in there for another 25 minutes. Some guy on a motorcycle just rolls up yeah. and hands you your Whopper. So- Let's ping him. You know what I mean? Let's ping him. Hey, we so got a Burger brilliant. King. So brilliant. There's a Burger King for, you know, half a mile away from you. We can have a Whopper to you in the next five minutes. This is why we Dang. are forever going to have jobs. Why did it take them so long <laughs> to figure this, this out? This is why we will. Because at the same time as it's brilliant as I think it is, it's like, oh my God, this is feeding right into the things we talk about. Just like eating at of pure boredom, right? Yeah, you're yeah, in traffic. Yeah. You're like, and you're angry. Oh, you're so pissed off. I'm seeing traffic, but then you get pinged by this Burger King app oh, that dude. gives you a whopper. I can for go for some nuggets, right? Yeah. Just yeah. fuck it. Yeah, I'm here dude. anyways. They orders increased sixty three percent in one week. Wow. The 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 app download rate increased forty four times to become the number one fast food app in Mexico. Is so this a, is this the only, like Burger King's the only one doing this? Or yeah, is there other Yeah, they're the first chains. one to do it. They're the first wow. one. But they, they're and smart, it, and it, it catapulted them into being like the most profitable. It was uh, McDonald's and uh, Chick-fil-A are like two of the most profitable fast food chains. Yeah. And as soon as Burger King did this and rolled this out, it like- Dude, whoever came up with that idea in that company needs a raise. Oh, that's that's insane. Think about it, though. You're stuck in traffic. I know. I don't know about you guys, but if I was stuck in traffic and somebody offered me some fucking fries or something- they, Hey, Chick-fil-A- I'd be way no more likely. Dude. Chick-fil-A, 100% I'd have that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You, you would get me. Yeah. yeah. They just opened, they just opened yeah, up one dangerous. Uh, by my house. They're fucking blowing up. Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. Didn't they- yeah, st- yeah. I just read something- They're like the they- fastest growing chain right now as far as fast food restaurants is concerned. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. And they're now, one of the most I have yet to try them. What? No, I haven't tried them yet. What? No. 
Oh yeah. wow, you're missing. I don't even. It's not. I don't count it as fast food, so I'm allowed to try to remember. Yeah, <laughs> dude, you guys like hear about this one? Uh, it's this crazy beanie that supposedly it's supposed to block out all these wireless signals and like, yeah. the hysteria people have towards like the radiation of cell phones and this 5G and all this stuff. Like it, it reminds me a lot of uh, you know when like the Mayan calendar and everybody's like doing this doomsday prepping and all this stuff. It's like you you know people get like really paranoid the sky is falling and and so now there's people profiting off of that hysteria no i I read the i read the it's like the the tinfoil hat it's basically a tinfoil hat but it's uh it's a beanie i will say this though the i've read some articles on 5g and experts in the field are questioning it i'm a little worried dude yeah i'm gonna be honest and that's why it's funny i i I saw that and i was like it it almost kind of convinced me you know a little bit like hmm maybe i could should consider because um yeah 5g's there's just like so much information out there that that has me worried they have they do they have underwear and panties too yeah yeah there you go yeah yeah i read the same article to protect your yeah, company called lambs lambs uh-huh yeah i, I was reading the same article is this to protect your like your your yeah from, e, from protect EMF. Your junk from the that's EMF, their, yeah. their website like that's the like the front of it is something about uh you know reducing uh men's sperm count by like 50 percent or something like that due to like emf and emf radiation and so they're just preying on people's fear of that a fear of the emf and all that and so they're blowing up right now though i mean absolutely blowing up weren't you the one adam that was saying that they were talking about uh putting things up in space to bl- to blast 5g or something like that so the everything's covered yeah no that's the i th- they're all in this race to get it up there and that, mm. that's what i was telling you like that just sounds crazy to me that we're gonna have <laughs> it was like thousands of satellites there there's this microwaving race. The, the yeah earth and to 5G. connect it to get and it sounds all great that we're gonna all be so connected but all i can envision is this like the, crazy micro massive especially after I, did you see our, our buddy luke story's picture i want to know if that's real yes uh, he uh, it, some, it was this. It was like all these different colored waves that they, it was like a signature of waves that they took a picture of, and it was really cool looking. I don't know if it's real or not, but it's. I mean, go to go to go artistic to, looking. Go to our buddy Luke Story. Uh, it's it's on his Instagram page. It's about five or six photos back. So it was it was so they, it was a cell phone and a Wi-Fi router, photographed using. Kirlian photography, which is a collection of photographic techniques used to capture the phenomena of electrical coronal discharges. So I guess this shows the, these photos show the EMF fields emitted yeah. by these devices. Yeah, and it's crazy because just by coloring it and showing you with colors makes you go like, "Oh my god, like, my, is that really around me? Would I want my brain my my brain in the middle of that all the time?" <laughs> Your ba- yeah. you're, it's like like your baby will bathe in it. Yeah, no, yeah. crazy, right? Mm. It it is kind of a powerful like imagery. Like if you if you could see all the waves that were just floating around you constantly. I mean, you could do that radiation. with ra- you could do that with radio radio waves and other things too. Sure, but this is this one brings up some interesting um, some interesting conversations. Like I've heard people, and I'm not super privy to this, so I'm not even going to pretend to, you know, pick a side or or, or have a, a strong opinion. But I have heard a few people who are experts in the field who are, they're apprehensive. They themselves are a little bit apprehensive about it and saying we don't know enough about it to be to be doing this um, to ourselves. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's And you wonder when it's going to stop. 
you know, five G, six G, eight G. Like, where are we going to stop with it? When's mm-hmm. it, when's it going to be really crazy like that? Until then, I'm getting lined underwear and beanies. So yeah, <laughs> I'm on the train. <laughs> your, your, your dick doesn't get any reception. Yeah. <laughs> this quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, our first question is from bmore 4 what are your thoughts on the traditional deadlift versus the trap bar deadlift? As I get older, should I switch to the trap bar to save my back? Mm, yeah, they're, you know, they're, you know, it's funny. Yeah, you know, what's funny about this is uh, as we're talking more and more to these uh, athletic sports performance mm-hmm. trainers, mm-hmm. and uh, also my own experience using a trap bar versus a straight bar for deadlifts. Just purely functional wise, I think a trap bar is probably superior. Yeah, it's probably the better ver. If you had to pick one, uh, it's probably better. I, I'm leaning in that direction too, Sal. Uh, I mean, wow, it's- you know, I challenge that. You know, I think uh, I agree with you for sure, sports performance wise, and that just is mainly because you you rarely ever are going to get uh, 90 degrees or even close to 90 degrees in in a squatted position in in any real sport you know basketball basketball football baseball uh you're in this you're the the degree of bend that you have in your knee is far closer to a trap bar than it is a full range motion deadlift so from athletic purposes i definitely 100 percent agree with you but for overall functional movement and and benefits and the posterior chain that you get from a, a conventional deadlift yeah, I'm versus, not saying it's not worth I don't not saying it's no. it's worthless I'm just saying if you it, said superior I don't know if you that. if yeah if you had to compare the two and you had to pick one because here's the thing if it was only about the 90 degree bend or the, the 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 small knee bend then they would just stick to bar on the back type squats but they don't it's a carry it's still a carry you know, done by the hands, it still acts, it still uses more posterior chain than a traditional squat would. Um, but I think it's more functional because it's safer. You can yeah. you can exert more power through a trap you bar. You can displace the force a lot more uh, effectively. I, I just think in terms of function too, when I'm picking things up, like how much more I'm like hinging and, you know, really just isolating and focusing on my posterior chain getting involved versus like incorporating my entire body and like really getting down low yeah. and, and driving up, uh, you know, using both simultaneously. Yeah, the, and the leverage with a trap bar is obviously superior. So like for me, at least I can deadlift, with a trap bar, roughly 80 more pounds than I can with a straight bar, generally. So if I deadlift, like let's say my max is 530, I know I could do over 600 pounds uh, with a trap bar. Also, a trap bar is way easier to teach a client to do a deadlift oh, with a trap sure. bar than a straight bar. Straight bar takes way more more skill. Yeah, risk versus technique. reward. I mean, yeah. it, it, it kind of leans a little further than the trap bar. But, I mean, I, I'm not trying to devalue the deadlift. I think not that's at all. important as hell to, yeah. to, to learn and to master. Uh, but it is way more technical. Like it, 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 This is also why I would think it's better, you know, because it's more technical. Just because something is easier and more, uh, this, mm. I, wouldn't, I would lean towards the, this is like a squat, you know what I'm saying? Like is a... 
is a leg press easier to teach than a, a squat is? You know, it just it, because it's way more difficult would not make me lean away from it. It would be it would for me. It's even more important. It's more important that we work towards getting good at, at the deadlift because I think it, it is more beneficial. Unless unless we're talking about athletics, athletics, uh, especially with all the the conversations that we've had with some of these elite coaches that are training athletes. Yeah, they use. I they, totally see the. the it's value almost there. exclusively trap bar. Yeah, like yeah. they don't use a, a straight bar for deadlifts at all. Yeah, because yep. and that makes sense to me for an athlete. For again, to my point with the the knee bend in sports, you're just you're never getting down that deep, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's a limited range. Like, it, like you just don't – yeah, you don't move your body like that uh, otherwise. And I, But I do, again, to your point, is it being something that – uh, you know, is very important. It it is to really build up that posterior chain. You know, for the athlete too. So yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Deadlift's my favorite exercise of all time, and I mostly deadlift uh, with the straight bar. I mean, here's the, the big difference: is this uh, straight bar deadlift? You're going to get more of the backside of your body. Yes, it's more posterior chain, and it's more low back work than with the trap bar. Which, if done properly, and you want to strengthen your low back, uh, it's a great way to do it. Um, the other thing I know, so the trap bar is going to give you a little bit more quad, um, and you're going to get a little bit more, and this is my own experience with the trap bar. I feel it more in my thoracic part of my back and that kind of higher than my low back kind of mid back area. In fact, if I strain myself with the trap bar deadlift, that's where I strain myself mm. versus a traditional straight bar deadlift. If I strain myself. It's in my low back. And it's kind of in a higher position, too, because of the handles being up. And so you're a little bit, uh, you know, you're starting from a little yeah. bit of higher position. Oh, you're a lot, a lot higher. I, yeah. I actually feel a trap bar more in my glutes and my quads. Mm. And I think that is one of the harder things to do in a deadlift is to, to hinge all the way back, to get yourself that rigid spine, and then to, to be able to, in this unique uh, somewhat awkward position that most people aren't used to being in, be able to fire your glutes yeah. to be one of the main pushers of the hips going forward, right? So I find that really challenging with a, a, a conventional deadlift. With a trap bar deadlift, being in that kind of three-quarter squat position, I feel like it's a very normal, comfortable position that I'm in a lot, and I can really think about, and also why I think it's, why it translates so well for athletes is I can really generate the power from my glutes and explode the hips forward mm -hmm. so much better from a trap bar than I can. Yeah, it's with less a, restrictive with that. Yeah, it takes a lot more effort for me to feel it in my glutes. So I actually feel more in my glutes um, than I do yeah. uh, a conventional. The other bullet. thing that's uh, beneficial about a trap bar is the grip. It's a neutral grip, and because both hands are naturally facing opposite directions, so my left hand, my palm's obviously facing towards the right, and my right is facing towards my left, I can hold a lot more weight with my hands. Now, with the straight bar, a lot of people resort to using an alternate grip with one hand facing forward and one hand facing back. Mm. Here's the problem with that. That is a great way to develop... Uh, a muscle imbalance. Asymmetry. Yeah. yeah, unless you're really, really strict about alternating your hands and making sure one hand is facing forward one time or the other one. But most people, when they get to their heavy lifts with a deadlift, they have a preferred grip. For me, it was right supinated, right palm facing up, left pronated, left palm facing down. That was my preferred grip for my heavy, heavy lifts. But I still alternated with my other sets, and I thought I was doing a good job. I for sure developed an imbalance. I, I noticed this later on 
when I switched to a hook grip, um, it took me a long time to get, forget about getting used to the grip. It took a long time for my back to get used to the both over, double overhand grip. And I did notice a slight development change in my back because one hand was always, you know, my, my dominant you know grip was with one hand facing forward, one hand facing back. You don't have that with a trap bar. With a trap bar, neutral grip, both hands facing forward, less opportunity for those types of imbalances. And it's it's very common to use an alternate grip with deadlifts because at some point when you get good at them, you're not going to be able to hold the weight you can lift with a normal grip. You're just not going to be able to. You're either going to have to use a hook grip, which, fuck, nobody wants to do a hook grip. It's like I, I, I it's a, It took me a year to really get good at it, and most people just don't even want to take the time to do that. So they resort to the alternate grip, which is a imbalance, uh, imbalance city. Um, but that being said, I think that they should both. Uh, I do think that they're both interchangeable, but I also think they both should be treated as their own exercises. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I I, I think I like to go through cycles of one or the other personally, um, but you could definitely treat them as different, completely different exercises, even though they use a lot of the same muscles. Um, but I like to, so I, when I, when I was on my road to deadlifting 600 pounds years ago, I got stuck at, I don't remember what weight it was, like 570 with the straight bar. I just got stuck and was, it wouldn't budge. And I tried all kinds of different things and it, it wasn't moving. And so I, I, I switched to sumo deadlifts, which I was going light. And then I went heavy trap bar deadlifts and, uh, I got my weight, I got my weight to go qu- up quite a bit. I was like 650 with the trap bar. Then I went back to the straight bar, and there it was. I was able to pull 600 pounds. Oh, so it's a, it's a great way to get your – if you're stuck on one or the other, switch, get good at one, then go back, and you may notice that you'll break through that plateau. Now, what, what comes to mind when you when you read him saying that, uh, as I get older, should I switch to trap bar to save my back? Only if it's becoming an issue. So if it's becoming an issue for you and you're like, oh, boy, you know, conventional deadlifts just bother my back every time. Um, I would say work on mobility to figure out why your back is hurting. In the meantime, use a yeah. trap bar. Is um, his back rounding uh, because of the deadlift versus like with the trap bar, he feels a little more upright or like what's happening? It, it yeah. might be or just might be the posture, the fact that it just loads the, just the back loads more. Heart, yeah. yeah. So what I would do, and I've done this with clients before, is I'll have them stop doing straight bar deadlifts. Then we work on mobility, figure out what your issue is. If you have MAPS Prime Pro, that's the program to use to identify what's going on. Maybe in your hips, it may be in your feet. Uh, look at the, you know, focus on the issue, do your correctional exercise. And then in the meantime, so that you're not, not deadlifting completely, just use a trap bar and then get yourself. I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of, I can never do that exercise anymore because now it's started hurting me. Right, I'm not right, a fan yeah. of that. This is, this is also where I see a ton of value in like our private forum. Like people use it for this type of stuff right here, like a great uh, way to use the forum in a, with a question like this would be to post a video of your deadlift and and say hey this you know tends to bother my back and then let a bunch of professionals uh, take a look at the way you're moving and then give you some tips and advice. Perfect. Because um, it could be just like uh, I think Justin's alluding to like a a mechanical breakdown in in the conventional deadlift and that's mm-hmm. what's that's what's making your back potentially feel fried and that could be a a real simple adjustment that could be a little bit of uh, emphasis on priming your body before you go into the lift uh just a few subtle changes that could completely change that and help that for you or it it could be that your back is just fried and you're doing a ton of stuff for it and then maybe including the trap bar may be good but this is uh where I think the the form is incredible next question is from Christian Relo 
For people who get extra lists at work, for example, in construction, what effect does that have on maintaining an anabolic state? Mm. So one thing I want to uh, I want to make clear here with this is that the body adapts pretty damn well to something that you do for a long period of time. So I know we talk a lot about how lots and lots of activity can make it difficult to gain a lot of muscle. If you've been doing construction for de- a decade, uh, I don't think it's having that negative an effect on your body. In fact, I've worked with uh, you know lots of people in construction. My whole family's blue collar. And I've worked with these men who've been doing it for you know, 15, 20, 25 years. And it's, it's still hard work, but it's not like it was for me when I show up, never yeah. doing the work. And I leave and I feel like I just had the hardest workout of my life. And my, you know, my, my 50-year-old dad or whatever is looking at me like, oh, what's the big deal? Let's go to the gym or whatever. You know? So the body does adapt. And I don't think it's going to have as negative effect on building muscle. The other thing that I, I, that I think is important to understand is, so what? Like, I, I know we all, you know, we all have these goals of looking a particular way, but, you know, okay, let's say you stopped all your other activities so you could gain an additional, what, five pounds of muscle? Was it worth it? Probably not. You know, the, the, all that activity you're doing with your job um, is good for you. You're moving. Most people don't move at all, you know? I, I think I kind of understand, though, where this person is coming from, um, I think they worded it kind of different with the what effect do we think it has on maintaining an anabolic state. I think the real challenge here is the same challenge that I had for shit the first five to eight years of personal training for me. Um, you know, I was incredibly active. I was training eight to ten clients every single day, which means I'm demonstrating exercises, I'm picking up dumbbells, setting them down. I'm just moving. And so my body, even though it is adapted to the stress and it, I don't feel sore from all that moving all day long, uh, I do burn a lot of calories. And because of the calorie burn being so high, I had a really hard time packing on more muscle. So I kind of feel like that's where this question is coming from is, you know, and, and that can make a big effect. Like if you're a construction worker and you're picking up concrete bags all day long and you're carrying two by fours up and down stairs and you're just moving like I don't think you have to so much adjust your programming or your training as much as you have to look at your nutrition if your goal and and let's say you're like me where you were the the skinnier guy real skinny kid trying to put on muscle mass and you're just struggling with it a good part of that could absolutely be just because of the total movement that you have in your entire day. And one of the first ways I really started to put size on was not only was I moving like crazy uh, as a trainer, which I couldn't change that, that was my job. But in addition to that, I was also playing basketball for a half hour, hour every other day, and also training like seven days a week. And when I scaled back the amount of days that I was weight training, and I scaled back uh, the amount of basketball that was playing to little to none, um, I, my body, I gained like 10 pounds, yeah. 10, 15 pounds that year of muscle, which was like one of the biggest leaps I ever had in training. And so that that I can see uh, where this could be, this question is coming from and understanding uh, that why it may be challenging to build muscle when you're somebody who has a very physical job and you just flat out probably need to increase your caloric intake. Yep, mm-hmm. Lots of lots of carbs too yeah. to fuel your body. I mean, that that definitely makes sense. And even too, like, uh, you know, going through that, having it 
you know, in smaller portions, like having more options for meals. So maybe you have to increase the number of meals, you know, throughout the day, which is something that we don't highlight that very often. But in this case, I could see, you know, because your activity is like just so constant and uh, something you have to account for while you're trying to build, like let's let's shuttle in those nutrients, you know, as frequently as you can. This is also where um, when I remember when Sal first shared Maps Anabolic with me and I was like, ah, I was like so in love with it because this is also something that was like a big game change. This is around the same time, too, when I had to shift from the guy who was training, uh, you know, one muscle per day and hammering it for an hour and a half, you know, seven days a week. And I made this switch to this like full body and only working out three or four days in the gym. And that I think contributed to that. I was just, I was moving, burning so much and just this crazy intensity training all the time that actually backing off of that, uh, increasing frequency on the muscle, less days in the gym that I was hammering uh, made a big difference uh, on me gaining. So yeah, one thing that I, that I, I noticed and um, you, I'm sure you noticed this working in construction if you look at the 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 body parts and muscle groups that are used the most in the respective field that you're observing, you'll notice that they're very developed in the in, in the people in that field. So mm-hmm. like like guys swinging hammers all the time. Oh, it's all grip and shoulders. Look at and... look at their yeah. Look at their their grip. Look at the muscles of their hands because the hands are full of muscle as well. Uh, look at the muscle that attaches to the thumb. Look at their forearm muscles in particular. Look at the top of the forearm muscle, the brachioradialis muscle. These guys are just, they're sinewy, dense, develop as if they go to the gym and train them. Uh, you know, you, you can see this with mechanics as well. Uh, I had family members that were mail carriers, and they didn't do any of the working out, and they had these amazingly developed calves. So as far as the anabolic state is concerned, you know, that repetitive motion over and over and over and over for years and years and years, I really think that's the the the, the model for muscle hyperplasia where you're you're making new muscle fibers and getting this kind of more permanent muscle building. You ever meet a retired construction worker or retired blue collar worker who hasn't worked for 10 years? They still have you can still feel it. You ever shake someone's hand and you're like, "Whoa, man." It's like, "Oh yeah, I worked construction for 30 years, but I've been retired for 10." Like, "Oh, that muscle has not gone away." So there's also some of that benefit too. So I wouldn't look at it negatively. Mm-hmm. Really, if you're just burning too many calories, uh, eat more. You know, you just got to eat more food. That means you're going to probably have one of the biggest things that I saw with my clients who were construction workers. They didn't eat breakfast. They'd go straight yeah. to work. They'd work get distracted. Yeah, they'd have coffee. They'd go work, and then they'd have a like a shitty you know fast food lunch or whatever. Um, eat a big ass breakfast. Wake up a little earlier. Have a nice breakfast. Uh, go to work. Um, you can fuel yourself with liquids. This is the one one of the few times I'll recommend people drink calories. Uh, so uh, you know, you can have smoothies, fruit juices, whole milk if you can tolerate dairy. That's a great beverage with calories, proteins, you know, fats, and a little bit of carbohydrates. Um, have a good, healthy lunch, um, and then have a big dinner, and uh, you should be able to build muscle just like anybody else, if not better. Next question is from Kyle Nelson. Does pre workout affect the fat burning process? If it gives you energy, does that mean the body doesn't feel the need to burn fat? That's an interesting question. Yeah, pre-workout. What a, you know, the pre-workout market, which now is probably the biggest market of the muscle building kind of hardcore uh, supplement market. Oh, for sure. It's probably the biggest part of it, right? Mm. You know, 20 years ago, 
it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. There was no pre-workout market at all. Uh, people didn't know that they should take something before they worked out. Some people drank coffee before they worked out, um, but there really wasn't a, a big deal about it. Nobody talked about it. No bodybuilders talked about it. Uh, the first kind of pre-workout that came out was something called Ultimate Orange. It was made by uh, Dan Duquesne, I think was the, the guy behind it. He's like this steroid guru. And it had ephedra, caffeine in it, um, and aspirin in it. It was the, the old school ECA stack that was in this orange drink that you mix up. And people would take it and then be like, oh, fuck, I had the craziest workout. Obviously, it was super mm-hmm. stimulant focused. But it really wasn't till I want to say uh, maybe 15, 16 years ago that uh, that supplement companies, and I think it was Gaspari who came, was the, really the first one to push it, who came out with this, and they figured it out. They figured out that if you ritualize something, then uh, people are more likely to purchase it. That's number one. Um, the supplement industry figured that out with post-workout. They, they started telling people, oh, it's a protein shake. Got to have it right after you work out. It's convenient because people who, who work out work out. And now it became a part of the workout to have a shake. They sold shit tons of protein powders, more than they ever had before. Then you know people like Gaspari figured out, wow, let's ritualize what you do before the workout and let's put some shit in there that people feel right away. Well, and I think too that uh, you know, it's a, it's a reaction to like, we're so overstimulated now because of the coffee revolution and everybody like having to start the, the, the day with that, but then also having shitty sleep at night. Good point. So it's like, you know, a lot of times if you're coming in to work out, you're already in a crash and it's like, I need something. It's like all of a sudden we need this thing to be able to take us through. Some what a great exercise. point, Justin, that I've actually never really even thought of is that, uh, that, that probably does explain, uh, part of the, the craze behind, uh, the pre-workout like that. It just, there's been is, a huge spike in all in yeah, stimulant use across the, the board, yeah, energy drinks, coffee. Yeah, and, and like that. the last 10, 15 years, yep. it is just absolutely exploded. It's gone mad. And that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, I, if I'm somebody who's drinking two cups or four cups of coffee coffee every single day, which it, like nobody was doing that practically 30 years ago, and now we everybody does it because there's a Starbucks in every corner, now for me to get amped up for a workout, I need 2x, 3x that feeling, which is in comes all the citrulline, beta alanine. Let's the, get even crazier. The, you know, 300 to 400 milligrams of caffeine, yeah, the niacin. Like, in there, yep. Yeah, all this stuff. So my core temperature gets heated up. I get the jitters a little bit. I need that that much just to even feel uh, what a coffee would make you feel and, like. And the thing about pre-workout supplements that makes them so special from a marketing and business perspective, it's one of the only categories of supplements that you take and feel 30 minutes later. Most supplements are like, oh, try, you know, back in the day, you take a supplement and you wouldn't, you couldn't tell if it worked. It would take you weeks. And you're like, oh, I think it's working. I think creatine, the most effective supplement there that has ever existed, hands down. You don't feel that right away. You have to take it for at least a couple weeks before you notice the difference. Pre-workout supplements, you take and you feel right away, and you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. As far as do they actually contribute to muscle building and fat burning, I have yet to see a single study that shows that you actually, aside from the improvement in performance, because you do get an improvement in performance when you have a stimulant. In other words, you'll do more reps and you'll work out harder. But they have yet to show a study that says people who use pre-workouts burn more body fat and build more muscle after a 12-week or 16-week 
you know, whatever. Subtract the creatine, by the way, because if they throw creatine in there, of course, you're going to see more muscle. Take the creatine out. Do they show a difference? Eh, you know, no. I don't. I think you're splitting hairs. You'll have better performance. It might make your workout more fun. I like to do it sometimes because I like to have that hyped feeling what before you, I work out. What do you think, Sal, is the effects as far as like adrenal fatigue and what its effect on like the central nervous system? I think for depending on the individual, for some people, the worst possible thing you could do is have a stimulant mm. because now you're spiking cortisol. You're already in this state of you know stress. Then you're working out, which is another stress. And you're starting to tip the the scale in favor of too more stress, too much stress. So like when I work with clients, if I coach someone and I'm looking at their day and looking at and I'm like, okay, your sleep isn't good, you're working out too much, your body's resistant to burning body fat, resistant to building muscle. One of the first things that I do is I slowly wean them off all stimulants. I get them to get better sleep and I wean them off all, all stimulants. And what do they get afterwards? After that whole pro, after the the withdrawal period that sucks ass. When they bounce back, more strength, better fat loss, better workouts. Um, I learned this lesson myself when I did when I first started doing jujitsu. Um, I was taking stimulants before jujitsu, and it got to the point where I was using them every single day. And I don't remember what made me stop. I think I started getting heart palpitations or something. So I stopped taking all stimulants. And after about a month or two, my performance got even better than it was before. And I realized that the stimulants were actually making me get out of breath faster. And I was getting, uh, I was reducing my performance. And that's the thing. For some people, stimulants and pre-workouts will give you a worse workout. A lot of people don't say that. But I guarantee there's people listening right now who have tried a pre-workout and had a shitty workout because it was too much. They were jittery. They felt like crap. Um, So as far as the, 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 the potential benefits besides the how it makes you feel aspect of it, it's, you know, take it or leave it. You're talking about really doesn't make, look, if you have good food a couple hours before and you eat a good meal afterwards, that kind of covers your amino acids you may need for recovery and carbohydrates you may need. Other than that, the extra citrulline they put in there, beta alanine may have some performance enhancing benefits. Uh, creatine, of course, you can purchase separately. You know, I, I don't mean, see. I, I feel like it's a it's it's a tool and a tool that when abused uh, has adverse effects when used correctly can be nice, right? And you the other day you made me a pre workout drink. Oh, yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't had. How, was, how were you with that? I was great. It was phenomenal, right? I mean, my t- face was fucking tingling, and I don't like that feeling that much. I'm not a big fan. I, I don't. Colors. Is it a stroke or pre workout? It's the beta alanine, right? Yeah. That does that. Beta alanine yeah, will give you that. So that that I I'm not a fan of that. I don't like the. It's a really weird. It almost makes my face itch and it tingles and it. Bleh, I don't like. I don't like. Some people love that because they can feel like, oh shit, when I take it. You start it. to feel the pinpricks, you know. Yeah, like, that's oh, what shit. it feels like. A bunch of pinpricks and I don't like that. I don't like yeah. that feeling at all. Well, but, the one I gave because so so we we get free sh- people send us supplements all the time because I think they want us to talk you know, about a them. A bunch obviously. of guinea pigs. And and ninety nine percent of them we know ne- we never talk about because we don't we don't like them either. They are artificially flavored or colored or they're just. It's not a supplement we would want to support, but we still have them in the in the back closet, and we still so, take them every once in a while. Every once, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, I try all of them, you know, because I've, I'm a I've, I have a mild addiction to kind supplements. Of a, kind of a junkie. Yeah. So so Adam's working out, and and he's kind of like, oh man, I don't feel like. He said something like, I don't really feel like doing this right now, but I got to do it. So I'm like, hey. You want to try a pre workout? Hey I like, got something for you. He's like, yeah, do Sal something. Sal gets his trench coat out. He's just like, dude, try this one. <laughs> yeah, <It's> so like- <laughs> I mixed him up a full serving of 
pre-workout. But, but what's great is, you know, <laughs> again, because I, I don't consistently use pre-workouts that when I, you know, it was the perfect timing for you to ask me that. I'm like, you know what? Hell yeah. I haven't had a fucking pre-workout in a long time. Give me that shit. Then I had a great workout because I, I intermittently use it. What I see a lot and what I saw, especially a lot when I was competing uh, in, in that community, it's like, Man, these dudes are like stacking on stacking on stacking these things because they take it every. It's like a they've turned it into a ritual. I mean, who do you who do you follow that has more than fifty thousand followers on Instagram? That's a bodybuilder, bikini competitor, and doesn't take a video of them scooping their pre workout and drinking it, or just scooping it in their mouth almost every day before the gym. It's the it annoys me how much we see it. Yeah, it's like the it's sending such a terrible message to the 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 average like gym this goer. is what's important. Yeah, it's like you got this jacked physique or this beautiful bikini body, and supplement companies they're the first ones to reach out to these people, offer them a discount code and some weak ass kickback and these these uh competitors and bikini models are so quick to jump all over being sponsored by somebody so they can say they're a sponsored athlete and then they they have to show these videos of them taking and then it's just like people think that it's got all this value it's like no you can never take a pre-workout never take some bullshit fat never even take creatine or branch chain amino acids and build the most amazing physique you've ever seen on a cover of a magazine oh no i mean if you were to list the top 10 most important things to getting you fit, healthy, aesthetic, muscular, strong, lean, all that stuff. Pre-workout supplements would not make, all supplements would not make the top 10. And pre-workout would definitely not make uh, the top I would, 20. I, would I wouldn't say. take it if it didn't get sent to our fucking studio for yeah. free all the time. But I will say this. Look, <laughs> here's the deal. If, if you are high level and you do want to notice a little bit of a difference in your performance... So I can get this with performance because sometimes people like to test their PRs and want to see if they did better. Uh, I like cordyceps. It's stimulant-free, and you will notice, most people will notice an improvement in stamina. And then if you want a stimulant, you want to take something that's got some stimulant in it, uh, Legion. Legion, Mike Matthews' company makes a, a, a pre-workout that um, I don't mind. It's not artificially flavored. He has like efficacious amounts of, uh, of you know beta alanine and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, caffeine and the other stuff in there. Um, did so you know that? I, that. Did you know that I had Mike hook us up with a mind pump code because you talk about it so goddamn much? No way. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So our listeners know that we. So have what do they do? Just mind pump? Yeah, it's mind pump. So it's Wait. but they it's now for uh, we have that for our listeners. It's a discount. I think it's like twenty percent off of what oh, cool. supplements or whatever. But oh, very cool. I just fucking reached out to him like, hey, yeah. dude. I know. I know. We're we, keep bringing this I, yeah, up. I was like, I, I know we don't. I know we don't want to do any supplement work, and we've talked about this a long time ago. But I was like, you know, people ask, and I get asked the same thing too. Like, if I what creatine or what? Yeah. If there's anything, I normally uh, send love over to Mike, not just because he's a friend of ours. Part of why he's a friend of ours because of how much integrity he has. That's it. That's it right there. And we know that his stuff is beyond legit. So, I mean, if you are going to go get that stuff, you are going to use it. It's a, it's a great source. Mm-hmm. Next question is from Eva Bennett's. When will we get to hear Doug's story? <laughs> what has his health and wellness journey been like? What does Doug think about anything and everything? <laughs> wow. Doug, Doug, wow. Did you Who's this Doug guy? I want to find yeah, out who he is. Wait a minute. Is Doug picking questions now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking over. Yeah. No, Doug's got weren't it. You, weren't you on a few podcasts, Doug? I was. Yeah. I, I think I was on two or three, and then people stopped asking me. Doug? <laughs> Doug, <laughs> actually. How dare they? He does a great job. You guys listen to his episodes? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he does yeah, a really yeah. good job in interviews. Oh, you, do I? Oh, you have it. Yeah. Well, you have that natural radio voice and, and ability. But there, you, had, you do have a really good 
uh, fitness story. You've been doing fitness for a long... I didn't introduce you to working out. I think some people think, because I was your trainer, that I was the one that introduced you to working out, but you had... You've been working out since you were a kid. Well, you'll take credit for it. Yeah, yeah probably <laughs> since I was about 16 or 17 years old. I've told this story before. My my dad bought me a, a membership at a club, a lifetime membership, by the way. I don't think that club's anywhere around that anymore. They usually sell those before they shut the doors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a lifetime membership. And that was right about the same time that Rocky Three came out. So I think I was yeah. 17 at that time. And Stallone... To me, that was his best look of all the movies he's been in. Was Rocky Three? He had, you know, he's ripped. He had symmetry. That's when he fought uh, Mr. T. Yeah. Yes, and that's the one where he trained with Apollo Creed. Yes, in in Apollo Creed's gym, and he had to get. Remember, he had to was get that his the body. One where he was working on his left. No, no, no. Arm. Was that Rocky Two? No, that was. Uh, I think that was two. That was yeah, with was Mickey. Two. Okay. No, Mickey died. But oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that one, the reason why Stallone had such a good body, a lot of people don't know this. Do you know who trained him for that? Who? Franco Colombo. Oh, okay. Franco oh, really? Colombo, yeah, Franco Colombo trained him for that one and for Rocky Four. Rocky okay. Four, he looked crazy. Yeah, he, he, was, he was crazy bigger. in Rocky Four. And in fact, when I saw Rocky Four, to me that felt was too big for me. Yeah. And Rocky Three was the body I was shooting for. Yeah. So you know, I got into the gym, was working out. I had a buddy, and he and I would hit the weights. Uh, you know, all the time. Now, were you a failure? Skinny, were you a skinny kid or were you a fat no? Kid? I was a kind of a chubby boy. In fact, when I was in elementary school, I probably was packing a good 15 pounds extra. Oh. And I. So cute. Yeah. I was cute. <laughs> Chubby cheese. I had a round face. Uh, <laughs> you two get a room, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, it was kind of funny, though, because I like to draw pictures. I was artistic and I wasn't super active kid. So I'd spend my recesses drawing pictures. Now, my brother, on the other hand, well, he was overweight too, but then he had slimmed down by the time he got to be in high school, and he was very naturally athletic. And so when I play sports with my brother, uh, I was never any good, and and he would tell me that, <laughs> <laughs> like a good brother. Yeah, like a good brother. Yeah. He was very hard on me. Do. And so we'd you know play basketball or we'd go skiing or something like that. And he said, you know, you, you're just not athletic at all. <laughs> And so I took that really to sounds heart. Like, sounds like how I talked to Sal. Yeah. <laughs> so Sal and I do share that that in common for sure. So I, I would just ignore sports because I just didn't feel like I'd be good at it. Uh, and so I'd draw pictures at recess and I would just put on this extra weight. And so I was always a little overweight. And then in high school, I did slim down a bit. And then when I started working out, I slimmed down a bit more. Uh, and then... At one point, by the time I was like 21 years old, I'd really gotten thin. Uh, but after that, I didn't really experience the the results I wanted in the gym. You like plateaued? Yeah, I plateaued. I mean, I saw some early gains. Where were beginning. you getting? Where were you getting your information in high school, like for <laughs> for like working out? Okay, so when I do something, I get really into it. Yeah, we know that. Archie and, comics, right? Yeah, Archie. No, uh, actually, <laughs> I subscribed. Jughead. When I got the gym membership, I subscribed to Muscle and Fitness magazine. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I subscribed to the magazine. I followed the workouts. I bought the supplements, <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. Money, but I spent money on supplements uh, because I wanted to look like these guys, right? That's what they were using to become as muscular as they were. So I thought, well, it would work for me. Yeah. I tried their workouts for a while and I just wouldn't see any gains. And then I'd try another one. Uh, I can't remember who was really big back then in the, you know, 
Well, yeah, eighties, early eighties. Yeah, Lee, Lee Haney, Haney probably, Bob yeah. Paris, and you know Rich Gaspari and Tom Platts and all those guys. But it makes sense, right? I mean, if you want to become muscular, learn from somebody who's muscular. Right. right? That's right. that was my mindset at the time. Oh, yeah. Is like these guys really know what they're talking about because they're they're huge. <laughs> I didn't really put two and two together that they were not using the supplements they were promoting, but they were taking in a lot of steroids. Yeah. Anyway, so I worked out and then I, I got to a point where I just wasn't seeing any benefit or you know increased muscle gain and I kind of lost interest. So that's been pretty much my experience throughout most of my life up until my 40s was I would work out for a while, really get into it, get motivated, and then I would stop being interested because I would stop seeing gains. And so I would just go to the gym, stop, go to the gym and stop for years and years. Now you got into running for a second too. I remember when I first oh. met you, you, you said you were running. I did all of it. Okay. I'd run, I'd go to the gym, uh, I, do everything I could so I could keep eating the way I was eating because <laughs> I love to eat, right? <laughs> I enjoyed eating. So I thought, well, if I keep doing all this, I, I'll, I can eat whatever I want. For most of my life, actually, I had a weight issue. I was probably a good minimum 15 pounds overweight. And at one point, I got up to, say, 30 pounds overweight. Oh, wow. And this was back in, I think, 2011. I remember I got on the scale 185. Uh, for me, in my height, that was quite heavy. And then I went to a family reunion. I think that was in 2011. And there was a picture of me that somebody took. And I was playing volleyball and I was going up for the ball and my shirt had, you know, risen up over my belly a little bit. And I had all this fat hanging out and it was very embarrassing. And so that was the point I really made the determination that something's got to change. And not only does it have to change, it has to change for the rest of my life. I can't, I can't just go and do it and take off the weight and then keep doing what I had been doing before. I how, had to, how old are you at that point? Uh, 2011, so, boy. Uh, it's eight years ago. Eight years ago, so probably 47, would that be right? Okay. Mm -hmm. 46, mm -hmm. something like that. I can, How old are you right now, Doug? I'm 53, almost 54. Jeez. So. How does he look so young? Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> now, those fangs come into, yeah, <laughs> come into play here now and the again. Elixir. So uh, I, I really got serious about my weight. So I, I had this routine I would do every single day. <clears throat> I would track everything I ate. Oh, that's right. You used to do the measurements every I, morning. I, every morning, I'd, wait, I'd take a tape, put it around my belly, and at that time, my stomach, I think, had gotten up to 37 inches. I'm not sure exactly. I don't recall. I have it all recorded someplace. I would drink a big glass of water in the morning. I'd weigh myself first, do a big glass of water, and then I would track all day and be very careful what I ate. And I lost over, I think it was about a three-month period of time, I went down from 185 down to 160. And my waist at that time was measuring 31 inches. That's great. And I thought, wow, man, I made it. You know, I made it because I was so much more thin than I was before. Uh, and then I met Sal, started working out with Sal, and started to see, you know, the benefits of you know, uh, more frequency per body part, but fewer days per week. I was training actually just two days a week with you. That's what we started two days a week. And you know, it's funny when I, when I first started training, I don't know if you remember this, Doug, you know, you do your assessment and ask people questions about themselves. 
And Doug told me all this, told me that he had this history of working out. He understands exercise, been doing it forever. And he said he was a hard gainer. He actually said that it, he, it was very difficult for him to get stronger and build a lot of muscle. And so I took that at face value, like, okay, that's what he says. The irony is this fucking dude got strong fast and he got stronger all the time. It was like this consistent gain. And remember that? We were trained mm-hmm. and this, you would add like 10 pounds to your deadlift, 15 pounds to, your, to the point where at one point, he pulled 405 off the floor at a body weight of 153. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, just a great, like, he just got Damn. stronger and built more muscle all the time. And, and now, then we, we took a picture afterwards where you were shredded. Yes. And that was, uh, that was great. We've shared that. It's been a while since we shared that. That's in 2014. <clears throat> so what I did is, you know, I got really serious about dropping my body fat. And I said, you know, I got this 31-inch waist, 160 pounds. I thought, I can't get much more thin than this. Um I went down to 142 or 43 pounds. Shredded, though. 28-inch waist. Oh, wow. I took three inches off that waist. Unbelievable. I didn't yeah. realize I had so much to go. Well, one thing about one thing about you, Doug, that a lot of our listeners don't know, just because you're not on, on you know, talking on the show, is you have a, when it comes to wellness, you have a tremendous amount of knowledge. Like, if, like in fact, sometimes Doug is a resource that we ask. So like when it comes to chemicals that you use in cooking or type yeah. of cookware like Western or price yeah, and the, all that information. Yeah, the effects of certain oils uh, you know on the body and what's inflammatory and Doug knows because you've been in it, you've been into it for so long and you tend to study things that you're into. Yeah, absolutely. What, I, what would you say, Doug, are some things that, you know, because obviously when Sal gets introduced to your life like completely probably flipped your world upside down as far as you know, training frequency and program design and the importance of that and probably even macro breakdown and, and then being able to get lean and strong and all that. Were there, were there anything that you, that you learned or you taught yourself before Sal that, that was a, that you still apply or use that knowledge today? <sighs> Boy. As far as working out is concerned, anything working out, nutrition, I mean, like nutrition wise, I was pretty yes. dialed in as far as my knowledge because yeah. I've been following Weston Price. I'd read a lot. Uh, I was, you know, followed Mercola. He had a lot of nutrition advice that I followed. So I, I really felt like I understood food quite a bit as far as quality of food. You know, grass fed, uh, using quality fats, all those things. I was quite uh, knowledgeable about. Privy to already. The workout stuff, really, that's the area that totally changed for me. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting then. So it was a, a lot of your success that you had in the past with losing what you had already, you pieced together the nutrition piece. I didn't teach him anything about nutrition. He, yeah. He okay. all, yeah. So for a very long time, I come by this honestly because my grandmother, who lived to be 93 years old and really in very good health up until the day she died, she was very much into nutrition and she subscribed to this magazine called Prevention. I think they still publish the magazine, but back then it was totally different than it is now. Back then when I was a kid, uh, it was chock full of vitamin ads. And so I would read this magazine and I was very interested in how how do you live a long time? How do you stay youthful? All that stuff. Even at a very young age, I realized I was going to get older and I better start thinking about this stuff right now. Mm-hmm. And I saw all these vitamins and they had all these promises. <laughs> and I, I remember I actually took my grandmother's magazines. I ordered stuff from it, even as probably 
12 years old. Oh, wow. So I was really into that. And my dad also inherited that from my grandmother, and he was all into vitamins and things like that. Now, my dad's downfall is he thought the vitamins were going to fix all the other eating issues. Um, so I've been really very interested in, in nutrition and how that can affect you as far as your health and longevity and aging yeah. and all those things yeah, for remember a very Doug, long time. Doug was making his own kombucha. He'd been doing that for a long time. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the way he cooks, it's... it's oh, yeah. yeah. Which, it, that's, it, it's interesting to me because, you know, one of the things when you have, we and we've I'm sure all of us have tons of like success stories of clients that like completely altered uh, their physique or their strength or whatever. Normally, it's a, a combination of they were just way off base on nutrition and they had no clue about program design. You teach them that and then they apply it and then you see these great results. It's not as often that you have somebody who really has a good grasp of nutrition and has still been in kind of a, a roadblock for a long time with their physique. Well, think about all the training information that was out at that time. You want to read about how to build muscle and burn body fat? All the information was the same. And all of it was not effective. Yeah. And and here he came to me and he asked me how many days a week should I train with you? And by the way, I'm a trainer. That's my business. I could very easily be like train me. He would have totally done five days a week if I told him. He would have bought enough sessions to do five days a week with me. And I said, Doug, I'll be honest with you. I don't think you need more than two days a week. We do two days a week, full body. And he was like, Are you are you sure that's enough? And I'd be like, Yeah. And and you know he tells a story now. It's because I was convincing, so he kind of trusted me. And then the gains came totally. So that you got to imagine how big of a shock that must have been right. for someone like him who had been reading all counter information for decades. That was truly a leap of faith on my part because I had a really hard time believing two days a week could do it for me. Well, I, I remember. I mean, we just shared in an earlier question. This was a big game changer for me, even as a trainer. Uh, you know, I still uh, fell into that seven days a week train really, really hard. My biggest gains came on when I backed off mm-hmm. all the training. I was training way less often in the gym, uh, but the frequency that I was hitting the muscles were higher because I was starting to do more of these mm-hmm. full body type of routines or body part splits where I was doing half the upper, upper body, lower body type of routines, which is why when you first showed anabolic to me, I was just like, oh, this was this was the answer for me and was ended up being the answer for a lot of my, especially the people that like to work out. If you enjoy working out, you don't lack motivation mm-hmm. and you hammer in the gym, some more often than not, those people end up benefiting quite a bit by backing off on the amount of mm-hmm. days and increasing frequency on the muscle. I have a question for you, Doug, because you lived in Japan for four years, I think? Uh, six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. In Japan, Japanese culture is known as being one of the healthiest in terms of longevity cultures. Uh, in the world. I know the Okinawans are among the longest living people uh, there are, but Japan in general just has a very, uh, just just great health overall in comparison, especially compared to modern uh, Western societies. What are some of the cultural practices that you saw there that you think contributed to their longevity? Uh, A couple come to mind. Number one, people seem to walk a lot. You know, they walk to the train station or they ride a bicycle to the train station. You don't see people drive every place. It's just, you know, the, the culture is such in the, in the, the uh, topography or whatever is such that people have to take trains and things in order to get around. Uh, it's a small country, a very highly dense population. So people walk a lot. I rode a bicycle and walked a, a ton when I lived there. The other thing is... Meal portions are are 
dramatically smaller. So you go to most Westerners uh, go to Japan and they go to a restaurant and they get their food. They're going to think they're getting the child's plate because mm. <laughs> it's so much smaller as a general rule. And so they just don't eat as much. And I think that really has an effect is, uh, you know, calorie restriction, right? We'd call that calorie restriction. But in fact, that's just a, a normal meal for them. And um, I, I really feel like that's really a key thing. As far as healthy food is concerned, I mean, they do eat a lot of fish in comparison to Americans. Their breakfast is not, you know, sugary. Uh, their sweets are nowhere near as sweet as ours. For example, you get a cake in Japan and you'll think it tastes very bland because it's not very sweet. Japanese people come to this country and eat our sweets and they just, they, they can't believe how sweet they are. They can't mm. handle it. So less sugar, smaller portions, more walking. I think those all... Uh, contribute to their longevity. Isn't there a saying in Japanese that's something like um, "eat until you're eighty percent full" or something like that? I'm not sure of that. Okay, all right. I, I might have read that. You know, one other factor that may contribute to that is, you know, their their sense of community. I I don't know. I mean, I feel like the Japanese people, because they are a homogeneous society, they they tend not to have as much conflict. Mm. It's very safe. Well, they place a lot of value on family yes. and the elderly. The elderly are revered mm-hmm. in uh, in Japanese culture, which I, I, I noticed that in judo when I did judo. Like the, the older people were like treated like, uh, you know, and so that may contribute to longevity as well. Yeah. Anyway, awesome. All right, so check this out. Go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all totally free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.